0: First Corinthians ten 13. let's go ahead and read this one. It's a long verse and it says, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. So this is a very wonderful verse. It's a great verse. It does mean what it says, but there are people who take it to mean something that it doesn't say. So before we get into that, let's look at what does it say? The first thing it says is no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. What does that mean? It means that temptation, your temptations... Described as seized you. I think that's a really interesting way to put that. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. That means that your temptations, the things that you're just grabbed hold of by, are normal and common and happen to everybody. It's normal. It's the life. It's the human condition. It's, it's how this works. Temptation grabs us. It's not unusual. It's normal. Then And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. This means that in the midst of your temptation, at whatever stage of caving you're at, in the midst of your temptation, God does not leave you. He is with you. He is with you in the midst of that. He does not run away from you. He does not reject you. But God is with you in the temptation. This is normal for everyone. And God does not leave when you are in the middle of temptation. Then... The last part, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. So this means that God will give you an escape route from the thing you're tempted with. Okay. So let's say that you're tempted to get angry, to lose your temper in the middle of a stressful situation. And you ever have that happen where you can just tell, boy, in 10 seconds, something bad is going to happen. You know, well, guess what? Step out of the room. <laughs> take a deep breath. Count to 10 whatever you need to do, but there is an escape route. There is a way that you can handle that without the bad thing happening. If you listen to God, he will help you through that and show you your escape path. So, three parts that we see in 1 Corinthians 10:13. Temptation, your temptation, Even when it seizes you is normal. It's what happens to people. It's just the reality that we deal with. It's a common thing. And God will be with you in the middle of that. So listen to him. Listen for that still small voice. And you'll be able to find out how to escape, how to be able to avoid it, how to not get pulled into that temptation. So God provides a way out. That means we have no excuse. It's very, very different from, well, we all sin thousands of times every day anyway. No, what this says is, when you're tempted, God will be with you and show you a way to not cave to the temptation, not slide into that thing. You are able to escape it. So... We know that because God has told us that God knows that the excuse of, well, everybody sins is just not going to fly. We need to be forgiven when we fail. But the reality is, is there is a way out that's provided for us. So we need to look for it. We need to ask God to show us where it is. And then we need to grab hold of that way out so that we don't fall into temptation. Isn't that a great verse? What a tremendous promise. How many people have felt trapped by different things and you just don't know how to get out? Oh my goodness. The promise here is that when we're in that trap that seized us, that we can connect with God because he hasn't left us and he'll show us how to get out of it. Hallelujah. It might be, you know, a process where you're learning how to get there and learning how to hear from God. But God is there in that and he will help you. It's a tremendous promise. Now, here's what this verse doesn't mean. It does not mean God won't give you more than you can handle. How many people have heard God won't give you more than you can handle? Yeah, I'm sorry about that. I wish I could give everyone a hug because there's... Two real significant problems with God won't give you more than you can handle. The first problem is a lot of the stuff you're going through, God had nothing to do with. God had absolutely nothing to do with. If you have sabotaged your life through sin and you're going through a personal hardship because of it, God isn't doing that to you. You did that to you. If you run into a bad person who isn't following the ways of God and they do terrible things to you, God didn't do that to you. Someone who's in rebellion against God, who is acting contrary to the ways of God, did that to you. And then, of course, there's the devil. You know about the devil? He's very, very bad. He likes to hurt people. He likes to hurt innocent people. And I mean, he's he's the king of low blows. He's like super bad. And so those things are not from God. When Job was attacked by the devil and all these horrible things happened, it wasn't God. It was the devil. And so we need to understand that the platitude, God won't give you more than you can handle, assumes that everything that's happening to you is something God is giving you. Well, the fact of the matter is, it's probably not God. Probably not God. Very rarely will God do some sort of a judgment on you? Most of the time, it's just uh, your own mistakes that have led you into some sort of misery. It's somebody else's failures and sins who's causing you pain, or it's the enemy. It can even be the cursed world. You know, sometimes you end up with some physical problems. We're all born into this process of birth to death because we're under the curse. Our bodies fail us. It's just part of the curse. None of us were here. When Adam and Eve fell, we just are born into that curse. And so we have to live with the consequences of it, but that's not God specifically doing something to you. That's us being born under the curse. So the first big problem with God won't give you more than you can handle is what you're going through. Probably isn't from God. It's probably from another source because there are other influences in our life than just God. Because some people are quite convinced that everything that happens is from God. And this can cause a real serious problem because you'll look at these horrible things that have happened and you'll think, well, if God did that, he can't be good. If God put me through the upbringing and the misery and the abuse that I went through, if God did that to me, you know, if, if somehow you were told that that was God, I'm sorry for that. That's a lie. God is good. The devil is bad. Sin is bad. People hurt people. This is a cursed world, but God is good. So the first problem we have with God won't give you more than you can handle is probably what you're going through is not from God. Like the temptation that you're going through, for example, is not from God. Let's go to James chapter 1 verses 13 and 14. James chapter one thirteen and 14. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. So your temptation is not from God. There are other sources for that temptation. He does not tempt anyone, but each one is tempted when by his own evil desire, he's dragged away and enticed. So the temptation that is upon us is not being sent to us from God. It's our own sinful nature that's being enticed. It can be being enticed by the devil's temptations. It could be just, you know, slipping into sin on our own, you know, without the devil helping us, we're well able to go off the rails on our own. But this is not something that's from God. So to say that God won't give you more than you can handle about any situation, you better make sure it's something that's from God first before you're going to say that. And then God won't give you more than you can handle. The second part of it that I think is so dangerous is the implication that you're supposed to be able to handle everything that you go through in your life. God won't give you more than you can handle. There are some things that you go through that you can't handle. Have you ever been through something you couldn't handle? When my wife was 13, her best friend was killed in a car accident. Now imagine a 13-year-old girl losing their best friend in a horrible, horrible accident. Should that 13-year-old handle that? God wouldn't give you this if you couldn't handle it. What about that girl's parents, my wife's friend's parents? Are they supposed to handle? God wouldn't give you this unless don't you tell somebody that because God did not do that and they can't handle that. You've been through things that you can't handle and those things aren't from God. But here's the deal. We go through things. There are even things God will give us that we can't handle. Let me give you an example of that. When I was taking my classes, I'm going to go be a pastor. You know, I'm just all excited about it and just fighting through the thing to try to get in because I was an outsider and it's hard to fight through. So I'm fighting and fighting to get in there. And then it's like, oh, I I've got there. I got my opportunity. I'm going to be a pastor now. And I was in church in the middle of worship. And I just thought, oh, no, I can't do this. I can't do it. And then all of a sudden, a wave of peace went over me. I can't do this. Oh, if I can't do it, there's got to be a different plan than me relying on my own strength. There's got to be a different plan than me handling this on my own. And what happens is, is when we are given, say, a ministry opportunity that is more than what we can handle, then we know, okay, well, I've got to trust God with this. This is more than I can handle. And when you go through a hardship, a difficulty in life, that's more than you can handle. You want to trust God with that because you're not meant to handle it. And God won't give you more than you can handle is a platitude that causes serious problems. Because the fact is we go through things that we can't handle. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 8. Let's look at some verses that are Written by the Apostle Paul through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to the church in Corinth. So same human author, you know, of course, same divine author, same human author to the same human audience as 1 Corinthians 10, 13 is 2 Corinthians 1, starting in verse 8. And here, the Apostle Paul is going through some hardships. And the the verse we read, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, is talking about temptation. It's not talking about the hardships of life. It's talking specifically about temptations. So when we apply that to hardships, we have a, a serious problem. But here, we'll look at how Paul deals with hardships. 2 second Corinthians one eight. We do not want you to be uninformed brothers about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired even of life. So does this sound like Paul was able to handle this? You know what, Paul, just widen your stance a little bit and handle it. He's saying we couldn't handle this far beyond our ability to endure great pressure they were suffering hardships that they could not handle, that they despaired even of life. This is the Apostle Paul, one of the toughest guys that ever lived on this planet. He said, they were just like, you know what? The good news is maybe we'll die. Maybe today, maybe soon, maybe they'll kill us. Maybe this will be over. They were despairing even of life. So many people are in that situation where they're going through things that are so hard that they don't even want to continue. So how did Paul respond in this situation? Verse 9, indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. So here we see Paul is saying we couldn't handle it. Hallelujah, that we didn't have to. We relied on God. We put it on the Lord. God can handle it when we can't handle it. So they learned how to rely on God and not on themselves. God who raises the dead here, of course, speaking figuratively and literally, you know, I mean, I'm sure they had in their mind the understanding that if we die, we go to paradise with God. I'm sure they had that in their understanding, but they also knew that they could be raised from the dead, being delivered from the hardships and brought into a new way of living, a new season of life. And that's how it's described. Verse 10. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us on him. We have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. So how important is it to pray? If someone's going through hardship, we need to pray for them because scripturally that helps them. Have you ever felt a hug from heaven? Somebody's praying for you and you just somehow you have strength to get through man. About two years ago, I was, I was having significant burnout symptoms and I was looking at my calendar and I was thinking it's not slowing down. That's not good. I've got significant burnout symptoms and things are getting busier. What am I going to do? And we were having a pastor's meeting and we're praying for each other. These were assembly of God pastors and the pastor from Virginia, pastor Joel Kahlberg. I asked him to pray for me. And so he laid hands on me and prayed for me. And I got to tell you, my life hasn't slowed down any, but I, those burnout symptoms have gone away and I can sleep. I'm happy to wake up in the morning and to face the day. That prayer was a before and after experience in my life. It's fantastic i got to tell you, hallelujah for that. But sometimes we're we're walking down the road and we're just exhausted and we're burnt out and we're tired and we don't know how we're going to continue. We need to pray for each other. We need to help each other. And we also need to realize it isn't about you handling it. It isn't about, well, Pastor Mike, you're burnt out and exhausted and there's nothing more. So just widen your stance and carry it. Handle it, man. We're not supposed to handle it. In fact, let me give you three scripture verses. One we just read. Let's read it again. 2 Corinthians 1.9. 2 Corinthians 1.9. This happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. We might not rely on ourselves. So you don't handle it. Rely on God. Trust on God. Lean on him. We're not supposed to handle it. The stresses that we go through in life, we're physically not meant to handle those. Stress will wear out your body, your internal organs, your joints, like your mental state. It will be diminished by going through stress. We're not meant to handle it and just like absorb it. We're meant to get rid of it, to cast it off, which is First Peter 5, 6, and 7. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Cast your cares on the Lord. Oh, man. You know what the word cast means? It doesn't mean to set down. It means to throw. You know, it's like a cast in fishing. Cast. Throw off your anxieties. Throw off your worries. Don't handle them. Cast them. Throw them off. Throw them to the Lord because he cares for you. So in prayer, we cast off our anxieties, our worries, our fears, and we give them to the Lord because we can't handle them. The idea isn't that we're supposed to handle this stuff. What about terrible injustice? That's something that bothers me more than than personal hardships is when I see terrible injustice. It does something on the inside and I just get really angry. Let's read Romans 12:19. I'm sure a lot of you are the same way. It's one of the great things about the younger generation coming up. You know what I mean? They have a sense of justice. They have a sense of right and wrong. They have a sense that this world shouldn't be hurting people. And that's right in line with God's will. But when we see injustice, it can sink into our hearts, and we can try to bear it, and that's not what we're supposed to do. Romans twelve nineteen says, Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. So when we see great injustice, are we supposed to handle it? No, we're supposed to give it to the Lord. It's his to avenge, he'll repay. It's not my job to make sure that I judge people the right way, that I cast the right sentence. No, what I'm supposed to do is give it to the Lord. Now there's times to flip over the money changers tables, you know, just going to mention this quick. So, you know, Jesus did two dramatically different things in the face of injustice, two dramatically different tactics. The first one is turn the other cheek and the second one is flip over the money changers' tables. So Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount that if somebody strikes you on one cheek, you should give them the other one and let them strike that one too. And then he goes to the temple and he sees that... There are people there ripping people off. They're turning the temple, the holy place of God into a marketplace and a marketplace where people are cheating other people. And he makes a a whip and he flips over the tables and he scatters all the animals. I mean, he just does that sound like turning the other cheek. (laughs) There were times when Jesus turned the other cheek, like when he went to the cross and he just absorbed it. But there were times where he took a stand and he changed everything. There are times where in order to stop the cycle of darkness, you have to take a stand. But there are times when in order to stop the cycle of darkness, you have to refuse to escalate the situation. So if you want to de-escalate, you turn the other cheek. If you have to step in and change something, you flip over the money changers tables. So you have to discern what's the scenario. So When we see injustice, sometimes turn the other cheek, sometimes flip over the money changers tables, but all the time we give it to God. All the time we trust him with it. All the time we don't carry it on our shoulders saying, well, God wouldn't have given me this if I couldn't handle it. We say it's not mine to handle and we take it off. We cast it off. Let's read the context of 1 Corinthians 10, 13. We'll start in verse six so that we can understand that this isn't about handling the hardships of life. This is about avoiding temptation. Starting in verse six. Now these things occurred as examples. So Paul here is talking to the church in Corinth and he is giving examples from the old Testament of when the people failed God and the consequences that occurred. So that's what he's doing. And he says, now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. So he's warning them not to set their hearts on evil things. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in pagan revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test the Lord as some of them did and were killed by snakes. We learned about that one last week with John three sixteen, where the, that Jesus was to be lifted up as the snake in the desert. So don't test the Lord. Verse 10. And do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. So here we see four examples of evil things that are temptations that we're supposed to avoid. We saw, you know, idolatry. So that's when we trust in things other than God to take care of us. Sexual immorality in our culture today, man, we got access to that more than any other culture ever has. Well, there's a way out. There's a way out. You might need to get rid of your computer, but there's a way out. Idolatry, sexual immorality, testing the Lord, and grumbling. These are the four things that are in the context of 1 Corinthians ten thirteen. So let's keep reading. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. If you're doing great, hallelujah, but don't get complacent because we can get pulled into stuff that we don't want to get into even after years of serving the Lord effectively and doing great and being at a spiritual high and having things going wonderfully. And then you can still fall. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. Just wanted to put verse fourteen in there again to show that the context here, don't do idolatry. No temptation has seized you, the temptation to cave to idolatry, followed by watch out for idolatry. You know, this is watch out for the things that tempt us. Idolatry, sexual immorality, testing the Lord and grumbling. These are things we can fall into. It's not the hardships of life that come at us. So we need to be careful not to fall into temptation because It's normal. It's the human condition. We can fall into it. If we're not careful, we'll get pulled off into something bad. Even if you've been doing great for years, you still have to be careful. But the good news is in the midst of temptation, God will not leave you, but he will show you a way out. So look for it and you can find it today. I want to try to do three things because I feel like this is an important topic. It's a significant thing. The first thing I want to do as we pray is to get you free from the lie. If you believed it, if you believe God gave that evil thing to you, and so you don't know if God is good anymore, how could a good God do this to me? How could a good God let this happen? God is not the author of our hardships. He's our deliverer. He's our rescuer. He's our savior from those evil things. So I want to set you free from that lie. If you believed it, the second thing, I want us to be able to cast our cares upon the Lord. Imagine if you could succeed at that. Casting your cares, casting your anxieties, casting your worries upon the Lord. What would your daily life be like if you could succeed fully at casting your cares upon the Lord? This is like forgiving. It's not just a choice. You know, I try to describe it like it's like running a marathon. Most of us, we can't choose to run a marathon because we would not finish. But we can choose to train for a marathon. And then maybe later we can actually run the marathon. Casting your cares is like that. Maybe you're like, okay, I'm going to cast my cares and you try. And then a half hour later, your cares are still on you. You have to train spiritually to do this and get better at it over time. And then pretty soon you're walking without your cares and your worries and your anxieties and your fears, but you're walking in faith and trusting in God. So I want to pray that we can get there. And then the third thing is for us to look for a way out from temptation. God provides that way. So I'm convinced so many of us need to be free from that lie because it's caused us to question the character of God. It's also caused us to try to carry things that don't belong to us. So we need to cast those things off. And then, man, we need to see how can we get away from this temptation? What is the escape route that God has given us? So let's pray together along the three lines that we talked about. Heavenly Father, you are so good. You are so good. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and mercy. Father, we know that you are not the author of evil. You are not the destroyer. You are not the one that comes to hurt. You are not the one that steals, kills, and destroys, but you are the one who delivers. You are the one who saves. You are the one who heals. You are the one who rescues. You are the one who provides. And so we trust in you. Lord, for those here who have been told that the horrible, horrible thing they went through is somehow from you because you've got some kind of plan and it's for their good and they can handle it. Lord, let them see that for the lie that it is and run to you for the comfort that you give. Let them realize that evil is not from you, but God, you deliver us from evil. Thank you for your goodness. And Lord, for those who are bearing the cares of this world, who are carrying the anxieties and the fears and the worries, the stress of this world. Lord, we cast our cares upon you. Lord, I pray that those things would just be jettisoned, ejected from their spirit, from their life, and that they would be able to just trust in you. And Father, when those cares come back on, Lord, as the days, as the weeks, as the months go by, let us learn how to cast our cares farther and farther away and let you handle it. And Lord, for those, it's common, for those going through the normal process of temptation that happens to everyone, Lord, help us to see what I pray you'd prompt in our hearts, the areas that you want to help us with right now, the areas of temptation, put that in our hearts right now. And Lord, show us the way out. Show us the escape path, help us to see it so that we can know that we can grab hold of abundant life and not be dragged into darkness again. Lord, you are so good. Bless us in these three ways that we be free from the lie, that we'd be able to cast our cares upon you. And that we can see the escape path from temptation that you give us. And Lord, I pray a blessing over each one in this place. I pray your peace would be upon us. Lord, I pray your joy would be our strength. And I pray, Lord, that we would understand, have a revelation of the love you have for us, the care you have for us, so that we can be filled up with that love you have, have no insecurities, have nothing empty in us. And so that we can love others in this world that are difficult for us to love. Lord, bless us in that way. In Jesus' name, amen.